Shalom to all. Today's office, Kusubasaf Kof Yod, we are starting at the top of the daf with a brand new Mishnah. And today's office sponsor, Lili Nishmas, Mars Miriam Sar, Basav Yaakov Misha, Hernish Shalmashadav and Aliyah, and Lili Nishmas, Mars Freyde Chayabela, Basav Yitzchak Tzvi, Hernish Shalmashadav and Aliyah. And the Mishnah says, Hamas Yishtar Chav El Chaveri, a fellow takes out a Shtar Chav against his friend. Reuven has a Shtar Chav that says that Shimon owes him money. The Halah Yitzhi Shemachal Eisa Sada, and then Shimon takes out a Shtar saying that Reuven sold him a field. Admon Aimer Amin tells us, Yachalushi Yaimer, he's able to say, Shimon's able to tell Reuven, Ilo Yisi Chav Lcha, if I really owed you money, you should have collected that which was yours when you sold me this field. I have a shtar that says that you sold me this field. If I really owed you money, then instead of selling me the field, you should have just taken your money back and not sold me the field. Now, say that no, this fellow was very smart that he sold him the field. Why is that? Because now he could use it as a mashkain. Before Reuven sold Shimon the field, Reuven was afraid that Shimon would hide all of his metaltolin, and then when he would try to collect the debt, Shimon would say, I'm really sorry, I don't have any money. But now, that Reuven sold Shimon the field, Shimon has property that now Reuven can go and take that property back for his debt. Now the Gemara asked my time to Rabbanon, what's Rabbanon's reasoning? Shaper Kamar Admoin. Admoin seems to have a good svara because it doesn't really make sense that Reuven would sell Shimon a field if Shimon owes him money. So the Gemara answers, Basar Diyavi Zuzay Vahadar Kasvi Shtara. If we're talking about a place where first you have to pay for the land and then the Shtar is written, Kuliyam Ali Pligi, no one argues the Matsu Amrle that Shimon's able to tell Reuven, you should have collected your debt when you sold me the field. Because once you got the money, you didn't have to write the Shtar that you're selling me the field. You could have just kept the money and said, Ha, I tricked you, I'm collecting this for my debt. Keep in a place where they first write the shtar and then he has to pay. He should have taken two Adam and said that the only reason why I'm selling the field is because of X, Y, and Z, but really Shimon owes me money. That your friend has a friend, and your friend's friend has a friend, and if Reuven would have been why he's selling the field to Shimon, then Shimon never would have bought the field from him. So that's why Reuven had to keep it quiet and he doesn't lose his chus to be his money from Shimon. And a similar case, the mission continues, two people that took out a shtar chayv against each other. Reuven took out a shtar chayv against Shimon, that Shimon owes him $100, and Shimon took out a shtar chayv saying that Reuven owes him $100. Admin Amr Sa'amin tells us that Shimon can tell Reuven, if I really owed you money, so how is it that you were borrowing from me? You should have just collected the money that I owed you. Each one collects his own shtar chayv. And now the Gemara elaborates on this. Itmar was stated, Two people took out a shtar chayv against each other, Reuven on Shimon, Shimon on Reuven. Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman said, each one collects with his shtar. Rav Shesha, Rav Shesha says, what do you need to exchange burdens for? If a fellow is carrying two packages, one is left shoulder, one is right shoulder, and they each weigh 25 pounds, there's no reason for him to shift the one on the left to the right and the one on the right to the left. They both weigh the same exact amount. So there's no reason for me to take $100 from you and you take $100 from me. It's all the same. Each one keeps his own money. And now we're explain this machlaikas between Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshaz, but we first have to understand that there's three categories of land. Edis, which is top quality, Bainus, which is average, and Ziburus, which is inferior. Now, a regular Baal Chayv collects Bainus, collects the average land. So, like Mara tells us, Dukoli Alma, everyone agrees that Edis, Edis, Bainus, Bainus, Ziburus, Ziburus, that if both Reuven and Shimon only had Edis, or they only had Bainus, or they only had Ziburus, that would obviously be a case of switching packages the way the same amount, and there would be no reason for me to collect your Bainus and you to collect my Bainus, or you collect my edis and I collect your edis. One of them has bainness and the other has ziburis. Rav Nachman says Rav Nachman holds each one is going to collect, which means that Ruvain is going to collect Shimon's and Shimon's going to collect from Ruvain. And why does that make sense? Because obviously Rav Nachman holds that they evaluate based off of him. Now this means that we evaluate what level this land is based off of this 
this fellow's properties. We don't base it off of what the general real estate market is. We base it off of what this fellow has. So if he only has two properties, the better one is automatically called Idis and the other one is automatically called Bainanis. And that's even if according to the real estate market, his better one is actually Bainanis. Since he only has two properties, his better one is automatically considered Idis. So Nachman holds that we evaluate Bishalai based off of what this fellow has. Therefore, Asibal Ziburis Vigaviles first the owner of the Ziburis, whom we'll call Ruven, he goes and collects Shimon's Bainanis from him, and now he has this new property, this Bainanis property, but the Havagabe Idis, now it's become Idis by him because it's his best property. So now it's considered an Idis property. And now the second property that he had, which originally was considered Ziburis, is now considered Bainanis. And now Shimon goes Vishako Ziburis, and he takes this Ziburis property from Ruvain, and it turns out that Ruvain got the better end of the deal. Ruvain got a Bainanis property out of this, and Shimon got a Zibur's property. And that's why it makes sense that each one is going to have to pay the other one. However, Rav Shesha, some Rav Shesha says, what am I going to exchange burdens of the equal size for? Now, why is the Rav Shesha's holds that in this case? Obviously, because he holds Bishel Kol Adamayin Shaman, that we evaluate a person's properties based off of what his regular real estate value is, not based off of what he has. And therefore, Saif Saif Kiasi Hahu when this fellow comes along to collect, he's taking his own Bainanis. If Shimon pays Ruvain with his Bainanis, he's just going to go back and take that Bainanis from Ruvain because we're judging it based off of Bainanis da Alma and not his own personal Bainanis. So that's why Roshesha says that there's no purpose in me paying you and you paying me because it's all the same. But now I think my son Rav Nachman, or Rav Nachman, according to Rav Nachman, my chaz is to Asi Balzi Burris Beresha, who says that the Balzi Burris is the one that's collecting the Bainanis first, and now that Bainanis becomes Idis by him, and now he's able to give his Ziburis, which now became a Bainanis, give it to the other guy, Lacey Balbainis Bresha, maybe the fellow that owns the Bainis, he collects first, Viligbi Ziburis, and he collects the Ziburis from Ruvain, and then he takes that Ziburis, which now by him is considered Bainis, and he gives it back to Ruvain. So the answer is right. We're talking about a case where he was Tevea him first, meaning that Ruvain was Tevea Shimon first, and that's why Ruvain gets to collect first. The Gemara is asking, When they're coming to collect in Bezdin, they're coming at the same exact time. So why is it that Ruvain's collecting before Shimon? Maybe Shimon should collect before Ruvain. So Gemara says, you're right, One of them has Idis and Bainanis, and one of them has only Ziburis. And in such a setup, it's not going to make a difference who collects first. Myrasov Rav Nachman holds Bishalai Shaman. We evaluate what his properties are considered based off of the properties that he has. And Myrasov Rav Sheshis holds Bishal Kal Adam Shaman that we evaluate what his properties are considered based off of what the regular real estate market is. So according to Rav Nachman, they still collect from each other, and the fellow that owns the Ziburis is going to come out with the better end of the deal. That's because of Manavshach, if Ruvain, who owns the Ziburis, collects first, he's going to collect Bainanis. Now it turns out that he has Bainanis and Ziburis. Everything gets upgraded. His Bainanis now becomes an Idis, and his Ziburis becomes a Bainanis. So that means he's going to give his Ziburis to Shemin. So it turns out that Ruvain gained over here. And if Shemin's going to end up collecting first, it's still going to turn out the same way. Shemin's going to collect the only property that Ruvain has, which is Ziburis. Now it turns out that Shemin has Idis, Bainanis, and Ziburis. And when Ruvain collects, what does he collect from? From the Bainanis. So either which way, Ruvain's going to end up with Bainanis, and Shemin's going to end up with Ziburis. And so that's why in such a case, Rav Nachman hold that each one's going to collect from each other. But now the Gemara asks, Tanan, our Mishra says, Vacham or Milcham said, Zegoyeva, Zegoyeva, each one is going to collect. So it seems to be that we have a ride that each one is collecting over here. So Gemara says, Terimor of Nachman, Olivia of Sheshes, Rav Nachman could explain this. So Kornjor of Sheshes, Kagoyin, Shalava, Zela, Esser, Zela, Chamesh. We're talking about a case where one person had borrowed for 10 years and the other one had borrowed for 5 years. The Gemara says, Okay, hey, Chidami, what's the setup? Elim, if you want to say, Rishon, Esser, Shani, Lachamesh, that the first one had borrowed for 10 years and the second one had borrowed for 5 years. So does that make sense? Bahalim, Admin, in such a case, Admin would still say, if I, Shimon, really owed you Ruvain money, how are you borrowing from me? It doesn't make sense that Admin would say that. 
Shimnei, the time hadn't come yet for him to collect his debt yet. If Reuven is only allowed to collect his debt from Shimon after 10 years, so it makes sense that he would borrow money from Shimon after the five-year mark, he still has another five years to go. So Gemar says, you're right. First loan was for five years, and the second loan was for 10 years. The Gemara continues asking, hey, Chidami, what's the setup over here? If it's the time to collect, my time with Rabbanu, what's Rabbanu's reasoning? If it's not time to collect yet, the time hasn't yet come to collect. And my time with the Admin, what's the Admin's reasoning? So Gemar says, We're talking about a situation where the fifth year mark is today. A person is going to borrow for one day, meaning Ruvain will borrow from Shimon for one day, and then after that day, Ruvain's able to collect his debt from Shimon. And Umar Savar, the other Mandarmah holds, a person doesn't borrow money for one day. So therefore, he's able to say, if I really owed money from you, then you wouldn't have borrowed from me. Now, Remar Chama, Remar Chama explains, and over here, we're talking about Yusayimim, which means that one of the Baalei Chayv died, and his children were collecting his Chayv for him. The Yusayimim are able to collect the Chayv, but we're not able to collect from them. As the Gemara has makes sense, we said very clearly that each one gets to collect. So Gemara says, no, really what we mean to say is this one can collect, this one is able to collect, meaning he's fitting to collect, but he's not able to collect because he's collecting from Yusayimim. Now, Rava Rava says, I have two reasons why that doesn't make sense. First of all, it says, this one collects and that one collects. It doesn't say that this one is right to collect, but he can't collect because he's collecting from Yusayimim. Furthermore, we have a very simple solution, even if we're talking about collecting from Yusayimim. Like Vinu Arali asked me, why doesn't the fellow who's still alive give his land to the Yusayimim, meaning the Yusayimim are going to collect their father's debt from this fellow, but they're collecting it with land, then he should collect that land from the Yusayimim. Because Rav Nachman, just like Rav Nachman says, Rav Nachman, if Yusayimim collected Karka because of a debt that was owed to their father, Abal Chayv can collect that from them. Abal Chayv might not be able to collect other things from the Yusayimim, but that land that was collected for their father's Chayv, Abal Chayv is able to take from them. So even if our mission is talking about Yusayimim, why don't we make this suggestion? So Gemara says, Kashi, you're right, it's a problem. The Gemara continues asking, Vlukma, why don't we just establish the case as being the Isluhul Yasmi Ziburis, that the Yusayimim only have Ziburis, and the other Baal Chayv has Idis Ubeinis, Dazli Yasmi Gavubeinis. The Yusayim go and they collect Bainis from him, who make Vule Ziburis, and they give him Ziburis. The Inami Michelle call Adam Hain Even if you want to say that we evaluate a person's properties based off of what the regular real estate market is, and therefore Ziburis is Ziburis to Alma and Bainis is Bainis to Alma, still in this case, the Yusayim would be allowed to give their Ziburis to the other Baal Chayv because Ha'in Nifran Menichse Yusayim Elam Ziburis, the only way that we could collect from Nechasim Yusayim is from their Ziburis. So we still have a case where the Yusayim could collect from him and he could collect from the Yusayim. So Mar says, no, that's only if the fellow who's owed money by the father of the Yusayim never took anything from them. So then when he's trying to collect, they're able to give him Ziburis. But if he had grabbed Bainness, so then he's allowed to keep that Bainness and we're not going to take it away from him, give it back to the Yusayim and have him collect Ziburis. And over here, since the original Bainness property that we're dealing with is currently by the fellow that owes the Yusayim money, so it's like he was Typhus that property and he does doesn't have to give that property to the Yusayimim just to go and collect Ziburis from them. He could just keep his Baininess and not bother having to give it to them. He could just keep it himself. Now we move on to another Mishnah. There are three different areas of land in Eretz Yisrael when it comes to marriage. Yehuda, Ve'ever Hayarden, Ve'hagalil. Now what relevance do these have to marriage? A man is not to force his wife to move from one city to another city or one large city to another large city if he's going from one land to another, from Yehuda to Ever Yarden, from Ever Yarden to Galil, or from Galil 
If they're living in one of these regions, he's not to force his wife to move to a different region. Now, what's the difference between an ear and a krach? An ear is a smaller city. A krach is a much larger city that has marketplaces and a lot of amenities in it. However, the mission continues. Within that region in Eretz Yisrael itself, he is allowed to force his family to move from one city to another or from one krach to another. But he's not to force them to move from an ear to a krach or from a krach to an ear. Furthermore, he's allowed to force them to move from a bad dwelling to a good dwelling, but not from a good to a bad. says, He's not even forced them to move from a bad place to a good place, because a good place will check them, meaning it's trying, it's difficult, it's challenging to live in Nveyafe. And the Gemara is going to explain what that means. And now the Gemara tells us, Bishlim Makrachlir, we understand he's not to force his family to move from a large city to a small city, the Bekrach Shrichi Kalmili, because in a large city, you have everything, you have all these amenities, you have large stores, a lot of conveniences, and Beir Lashrichi Kalmili, in a ear, you don't have all these things, so he can't force his family to move from the large city to the small city. Why is he not allowed to force his family to move from a smaller city to a larger city? There's so many wonderful things in larger cities. He tells us, How do you know that it's difficult, it's challenging to live in a large city? Because it says in the Pasuk, And the nation blessed all the people that volunteered to live in Yerushalayim. This is talking about when people went up to rebuild the second base of Mikdash. The people that lived in Yerushalayim were blessed for volunteering to do so because it's not easy to live in a large city. Now the Mishnah told us from Shimon Gamliel Omer of Chulur of Shimon Gamliel had told us that even if he wants to force his family to move from a bad place to a good place, he's not allowed to do so because it's baidek. It's very trying. The Gemara is my baidek. What exactly is trying about that? The answer is Kedush Shmuel, just like Shmuel, Dhamr Shmuel. He says Shinui Veses Tchilas Chaylem Ayim. A change of pace or a change of schedule. That's the beginning of stomach issues. Which means even though you're going to a better area, better air, better situation, since that's a change from what you're used to, that's going to cause you stomach issues. And Kasev Sefer Ben Sira. It's written in Sefer Ben Sira. First, we have a quote of a pasuk in Mishlei: "Call you may ani rayim. All the days of a poor person are bad." The Gemara is, "How can you say that all the days of a poor person are bad?" You have Shabbos and Yantif, where the poor person eats good food. So, what does it mean? All of his days are bad. Shabbos and Yantif are good. So, Gemara answers, "Kedush Shmuel, just like Shmuel, Dhamr Shmuel." He says, "Shinui vesus tchilas chayom That the beginning of a change in schedule that causes stomach issues throughout the week. They're eating very simple, basic foods on Shabbos. They eat kishmak Shabbos foods that hurts their stomach. Now, Ben Sira, Amir Ben Sira says, and he adds on to this. Even the night is no good for poor people. Why is that? At the bottom of all roofs, that's where his roof is. And at the top of the highest mountain, that's where his vineyard is. The rain from all the roofs flows down onto his roof. And we offer the dirt and fertilizer that he puts in his vineyard gets blown away because it's at the top of the mountain, and that goes to everyone else's vineyards. So even at the nighttime, he's at a disadvantage. And the mission continues with something similar. Everyone's allowed to be forced to move to Eretz Yisrael. But people are not allowed to be forced to leave Eretz Yisrael. Everyone's allowed to be forced to move up to Yerushalayim. But people are not allowed to be forced to leave Yerushalayim. This is all about men and women. A man is allowed to force his wife to move up to Eretz Yisrael or Yerushalayim. Or a wife is allowed to force her husband to move up to Eretz Yisrael or Yerushalayim. The mission continues. Let's say a man married a woman in Eretz Yisrael and he divorced her in Eretz Yisrael. He has to give her Eretz Yisrael money for her ksuba. Let's say he married her in Eretz Yisrael and he divorced her in Kaput Kaya. He could pay her with Eretz Yisrael money. If he married her in Kaput Kaya and he divorced her in Eretz Yisrael, he still could pay her Ksuba with money of Eretz Yisrael. Now, Rabbi Gamliel, Gamliel says that when he married her in Kaput Kaya, he has to pay her Ksuba with Kaput 
Kian money, which is more valuable than Eretz Yisrael money. Now, Nasa Isha Bekabit Kaya, Vegesh Bekabit Kaya, if he married her there and he divorced her there, he has to pay her with Kabit Kian money. And the Gemara begins by asking, When we said in the Mishnah that everyone could be forced to move up to Eretz Yisrael, who are we coming to include? It's coming to include Abadim. If a fellow has an Evid Ivri, he can force him to move up to Eretz Yisrael with him. And Oman Tani Abadim According to Man Amar, that Beferush, our Mishnah really says, Avadim, so who are we coming to include? That's coming to include moving from a good place to not such a good place in Eretz Yisrael. Still, he can force his family to move from a really nice big Gishmak place in Chutzla Aretz to perhaps not such a Gishmak place in Eretz Yisrael. Now, who are we coming to include when we say that we are not able to force them to leave Eretz Yisrael? This is coming to include if an Evid Kanani ran away from his master in Chutzla Aretz to Eretz Yisrael, then we tell the master, sell him over here, meaning sell him in Eretz Yisrael to somebody else, and then you could go back home. This is because of settling Eretz Yisrael. It's important to settle Eretz Yisrael. Now, continue on to explain the Mishnah. What are we coming to include when we say that we can force to move up to Yerushalayim? Even if he's moving from perhaps a very Gishmak place outside Yerushalayim to not such a Gishmak place in Yerushalayim, they still can be forced. And what are we coming to include when we say that we are not forcing to leave? Even if leaving Yerushalayim is going to mean moving to a very nice area, we still can't force someone to leave Yerushalayim. And the Gemara just clarifies, Since the Rasha says, The Seifa also says, And Tanar Bonu, we continue to talk about this. The Brisa says, The husband says, Let's go to Eretz Yisrael. And she says, No. He can force her to go up to Eretz Yisrael. And if she doesn't want to join him, She would have to leave without getting her Ksuba. Let's say she says, I want to move to Eretz Yisrael. And he says, No, we're not moving to Eretz Yisrael. We can force him to move up to Eretz Yisrael. And if he doesn't want to do so, he would have to divorce her and give her a ksuba. She says, I want to leave Eretz Yisrael. And he says, no. We force her not to leave. But if not, she leaves without her ksuba. He says, let's leave. And she says, no. We force him not to leave. And if not, then he would have to divorce her and give her a ksuba. And the Mishnah said, If he had married a woman in Eretz Yisrael and divorced her in Kapit Kia, he could pay her with her to Israel money, and if he had married her in Kabbat Kia and divorced her in Eretz Yisrael, he could also pair with her to Israel money. So Gemara's Hagufa Kasha that itself is a problem. Katani, we had said in the Mishnah, Nasa Isha Eretz Yisrael v'Gish b'Kabbat Kaya. If he married her in Eretz Yisrael and divorced her in Kabbat Kia, Nasa Lo Ma'is Eretz Yisrael, he can pair with her to Israel money. Alma Basar Shibud Azlinon. We see that we go Basar his Shibud. He took upon the Shibud of the Ksuba in Eretz Yisrael. So we see that we go Basar the Shibud. But in Masefa, what about the next case in the Mishnah? Nasa Isha b'Kabbat Kaya. If he married her in Kabbat Kaya v'Gish b'Eretz Yisrael and he divorced her in Eretz Yisrael, Nasa Lo Ma'is Eretz he could pay her with Eretz Yisrael money. We see that we go based off of where she's collecting her ksuba, which is in Eretz Yisrael. So do we go Basar when he was mechayev himself the ksuba, which is when he married her, or do we go Basar where he is when he actually has to pay it? So Amarab, Rab explains, over here, this is one of the kulas that has to do with ksuba, obviously we hold the ksuba's drabanon, and therefore we're able to be mekel. As we had said previously, Kapitkin money is more highly valued than Eretz Yisrael money, so it's a kula to say that he's able to pay with Eretz Yisrael money. Now, Rosh that when he married her in Kapit Kaya and divorced her in Eretz Yisrael, he has to pay her with Kapit Kaya money. He obviously holds the Ksuba's Dairaisa, and therefore, since he was Mechaiv himself the Ksuba in Kapit Kaya, he would have to pay her with that type of money. And Tanar we have a similar Braisa with a regular Shtar Chayv. A person takes out a Shtar Chayv on his friend, you owe me money. Kasav Bay, Bavel, if it's written on the Shtar, Bavel, Magbeoi Mahiz Bavel, so then he would have to pay him with money of Bavel. Kasav Bay, Eretz Yisrael, if it's written on the Shtar, Eretz Yisrael, Magbeoi 
Mai's Eretz Yisrael. So he's able to give him money from Eretz Yisrael. Kasev by Stam, if nothing's written in it, so it's you of Bavel, if he had taken the star out in Bavel, Magbeu mi Mai's Bavel, so then he gives him Bavel money, Hatsu of Eretz Yisrael. If he took it out in Eretz Yisrael, Magbeu mi Mai's Eretz Yisrael, so then he gives him Eretz Yisrael money. But now let's say Kasev by was written in the star, Kasef Stam, plain silver. That's all that was written. You owe me a hundred silver. So how much does he have to pay him? Whatever the Levit wants to pay him, that's what he could pay him. He could pay him a hundred silver dollars, or quarters, or dimes, or even nickels, because it doesn't say what in the shtar. However, Masha and Kimbiksuba, that's not the same thing with Iksuba. Now the Gmar Sahaya, what are we going on over here? Amar Mashashi explains, Arisha, we're going on the Rasha La Fukum Gamaliel, excluding Rabshim Gamaliel, Dharma Ksuba Dairaisa, he says Ksuba's Dairaisa. Now the Gmar continues discussing this case that we just said, Kosov by Kasef Stam, Masha Yitzalaiva Magbeu, if all it says in the shtar is silver, so whatever the Levit wants to give him, he could give him. The Gmar has maybe we're talking about silver pieces, maybe he has to give him a hundred silver pieces. So Amar Blazar, Blazar says, it says 100 silver coins, and we just don't know which coin we're talking about, so we can even give him 100 silver nickels. Asking more of Ema Priti, perhaps he could even give him prutais. So Rav Papa, Rav Papa explains, Priti the Kaspoli of the Inchi, people don't make silver prutais. Prutais by nature are copper, just like pennies are copper, so prutais by nature are copper. So therefore, he's allowed to pay him with the smallest silver coin, but since prutais are not silver coins, he's not allowed to pay him with prutais. And now continue to talk about Eretz Yisrael. Tanarban we have a brisa. Lo'elam yadar adam Eretz Yisrael, afilu bi'er shuruba adi kachavim. A person should live in Eretz Yisrael, even in a city that has majority non-Jews. He should not live in Chutz Laaretz, even in a city that majority of that city is Yedin. Because anyone that lives in Eretz Yisrael, it's as if he has a God. It's like he doesn't have a God. Because the Pasuk says, To give you the land of Canaan, to be for you as a God. So a person that lives in Eretz Yisrael, it's Daimek Kamisha Yishlaylaika. And the Gemara is holding second, Someone who doesn't live in Eretz Yisrael, he doesn't have a God. So Gemara explains, no, what it really means to tell you is anyone that lives in Chutz it's as if he's serving idols. By David HaMelech it says, when David HaMelech had to run away, he said, because he chased me away from attaching myself to the Nachla of Hashem, as if to say, go serve other gods. Did someone tell David, go serve idols? Obviously not. Al-Lamelcha means to tell you, call Darba Chutzla Aretz. Anyone that lives in Chutzla Aretz, which is where David was running when he said this Pasuk, Kilo Avelavetzkechavim, it's as if he's serving idols. We're going to stop here for the day. Pick up tomorrow, continue to talk about living in Eretz Yisrael. For now, everyone should have a wonderful day.